Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Massari, here with Mike Bunt and producer Kevin to talk about the Big Raiders victory from two days ago, but also we'll be having on a great guest to talk Washington Commanders football, closing in more toward the uh, end of the hour here. So we'll bring that up and going forward. But this show is sponsored by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Get out there and check all of their amazing art and and apparel. Uh, So fantastic stuff, as you can see over my shoulder. We got Jim Kelly and Josh Allen, one of my favorite uh, pictures out there. Mike, how are you feeling today? What's you know a lot different of an attitude here going on September 19th than, say, uh, last week? Yeah, I'm feeling great today, Kevin. Just finished a round of golf, broke 90. The Bills dominated the Raiders on Sunday. My Ohio Bobcats took down a Big 12 school against Iowa State. Could not be feeling any better right now, Kevin, and excited to talk about the Washington, Washington Commanders tonight uh, on the Going Deep Pod. Yeah, the Commanders is going to be uh, the 2-0 Washington Commanders. It's going to be a very, uh, very good show. I know there's positive vibes out of Washington right now. So we'll see how they feel about their commanders and what they like from Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy uh, coming out of that uh, that state and team coming up shortly. But we have a little bit to review here from the Raiders game. Uh, you know, lots of lots of lots of good talking points here coming out of that game. A lot of narratives that were ruined uh, one week later. You know, we saw a pretty nice performance by Josh Allen, who happens to lead the NFL in completion percentage. That's a stat you may or may not have ever thought you'd see uh, from Josh Allen, but it is a new and improved Josh Allen. And by all metrics, still had a very productive day against the Jets, completed at a high clip, just happened to come at the expense of a couple of turnovers. And we saw that Jets defense get dismantled. As I stated last week, one full week of preparation against Zach Wilson, and it's a completely different team. Uh, teams are preparing. It was a very emotional and strange game on Monday night. But onward and upward, Kevin, pleasure to have you as well. Uh, I know you were you were there and present at the game. What were some of your initial reactions from the Bills stomping 38-10 to 10 over the Raiders? Well, I was just very happy to see that the Bills got back to playing Buffalo Bills football. And I know that's kind of a cliche, but I, I think it's true because – they did not look like themselves last Monday night in New Jersey. And it was so 
easy to point out their flaws. And it essentially came back to Josh Allen just trying to do too much. And Sunday, it was just night and day. It was a beautiful day. It was opening day. The vibes were high. And the Bills just put a dominant game together. And Josh took what the defense gave him. Dorsey called a great game. And it was just an all-around great day. It sure was. Uh, that's there's no there's no denying that. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I had, Kevin and Mike, was this Bills offensive line. I thought it was dominant. I thought they had a great game plan. Limited Spencer Brown versus Max Crosby, probably the biggest advantage Raiders on the entire day in terms of on paper and what could have been. We heard all week about what the Raiders defensive line would gonna was going to potentially be able to do. They have a top uh, you know, a top pick there as well. They spent a first round draft choice in a defensive end, and obviously Chandler Jones not not even being able to suit up for whatever's going on there with him. Uh, but we did see a great performance from chip blocks to help with running backs. They had a masterful game plan and one that they're going to need to probably utilize again when it comes to uh, this commander's defensive line, as we'll get into in about a half an hour here. But Mike, what was your takeaways from what you saw from Sp not only Spencer Brown, but how well Osiris Torrance played? Uh, Deion Dawkins had a fantastic day. Uh, this offense, offensive line was, quite frankly, they were they were they were very good uh, throughout this day. Not only uh, opening up rushing lanes, uh, but keeping Josh clean for the most part. Obviously, there was a few linebacker registered sacks, which tells me that Josh Allen decided to to try to get to the line of scrimmage and run. Uh, really, only that one sack on a blitz uh, that got him down. One was like right at the line of scrimmage. So, Mike, what was your opinion on what was supposed to be potentially the Bills' weakest uh, position group? And then you have corner two showing out in Christian Benford. You have a good-looking day from Terrell Bernard. You have Osiris Torrance at right guard playing well. You have uh, so there's there's these all these question marks that are starting to be answered. And then obviously you have the emergence of a safety valve in Dalton Kincaid that's only going to get better. A lot of those question what makes me feel good even at one and one where a lot of those question marks going into the year have kind of started to show some answers. Yeah, ab absolutely, Kevin. And the offensive line balled out on Sunday. That was probably one of the best performances we've seen from the Bills offensive line in quite some time, despite how effective they were on offense as a unit uh, last year. So first off, you got to give credit to uh, almost the entire left side of the line, the middle, and then going to the right. Uh, I know everybody was focused on Spencer Brown, and he had a solid game uh, lining up against Max Crosby, but credit to Osiris Torrance. He's a rookie? Come on, man. Like He, he is looking like a veteran out there already. He has been playing very solid. Uh, Deion Dawkins had a very good pass blocking day. Mitch Morse graded out very well. Connor McGovern is quietly off to a 75 uh, pass block rate on PFF. Now his run block rate, a little bit shaky, but uh, there's some room for improvement there. But the offensive line is doing their job. They gave Josh Allen protection uh, this past week against the Raiders, and I think that's something that we're going to expect against a lot of these um, defenses that don't have incredible defensive lines. Now, one big takeaway I have uh, about the Bills and their offense uh, going forward. We were talking about 12 personnel all offseason, and they're still running at a, at a high rate, a little bit less this week than uh, week one. But my belief now in what the Bills are going to do the rest of the season, I think whether or not they have the elite success that they had offensively last year, they're going to stick with a balanced attack going forward. Obviously, it makes sense from a strategy standpoint when you have teams playing coverage and they're playing back with the two safeties, you have to be able to run the ball. But more so, 
my belief is this is set up to have a, a more balanced playoff run come January and potentially February. Because what did the Bills do a ton of last year? They, it was a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of passing, three wide uh, receiver formations. But when they faced that rare team that had the ability to shut them down, the Bills didn't have a counter. Yes, their run stats were decent last year, but a lot of that was based off of Josh Allen and his scrambling. They didn't have a good run game in the traditional sense. And even though Devin Singletary was a good running back, he, he lacked explosiveness and it wasn't really dynamic uh, to really be a, a great weapon uh, overall. What I see right now is a team that wants to be able to attack opponents in a variety of different ways. If teams are going to play these two safeties, we are now seeing the Bills committed to running the ball. We are seeing them committed to getting both tight ends involved in Kincaid and Knox, using Gabe Davis, using Stephon Diggs. And what's going to eventually happen? If the Bills make this second nature to them where Josh Allen gets it in his head, it's okay to, to take five, six yards of play. They're eventually going to get pretty good at this. And then teams are going to have to adjust to what the Bills are doing. And when they're not too high, when there's opportunities, you sling it over the top. You take advantage and you make them pay. And that's how you bring some of these explosive plays back. So uh, I know it's a game against one game against the Raiders and a game that they were expected to dominate. But I am very encouraged. And if they continue to, to stick with this type of balance moving forward, I think they're going to be even more dangerous late in the season than what they are right now because this is still relatively new to them. Kevin, one big talking point we saw, the dominance of Ed Oliver. Uh, he was fantastic in the run game. Uh, basically, part of the reason they were able to bottle up uh, former rushing leader from last season, Josh Jacobs, to negative two yards, the lowest performance ever from a rushing leader from the year prior. Uh, you know, boosted the Bills all the way up to the third best run defense DVOA. The Bills' run defense has been great. Minus one bad eight men in the box with Taylor Rapp and a missed uh, Trey White tackle uh, and Jordan po uh, Poyer unable to catch Brees Hall. You've seen the dominant run defense. It is what it is. You can't take away that one run. But if it wasn't for that, uh, these numbers would be horrific. Uh, for the opposing team running the ball, Kevin. So what is your opinion on seeing Terrell Bernard read and react and make plays in the backfield? Watching Ed, the, the emergence of Ed Oliver, you know, he's not getting the 10, 15, 20 sacks a season, but he's been disrupting and disruptive, really, where Jimmy Garoppolo was seeing, you know, who he wasn't seeing his receivers that were that were open at times. Yeah, I, I think my biggest takeaway is that the Bills are doing this without Von Miller. I thought about that the other day. I was like, holy cow, this defense looks great. And they are still without arguably one of the best defenders in the entire NFL. So when Vaughn comes back in week five or week six, week six, this could be a nasty defense. And you mentioned some of those guys like Ed Oliver and Terrell Bernard, who are getting better and better by each week. And how about Leonard Floyd? Uh, almost a placeholder at first, we thought, until Vaughn comes back. But I think this is a cornerstone on maybe I shouldn't say a cornerstone because that's maybe more of a phrase to uh, describe Von Miller, but Leonard Floyd is going to be a key piece to this defense and the rest of the guys up front. And how about Matt Milano? I just saw right before we came on that he is a highest graded linebacker by PFF grades. It's him and Demario Davis and Milano. I feel like every year we say he's taken his game to the next level but he keeps finding a way to raising that bar. It's insane. 
It is like, I think one of the biggest things we see from this is how much of the communication has been better outside of. So, so Terrell Bernard had to go in his first game with a loud Buffalo crowd. I mean, I mean, he had to get used to that. And, you know, you saw some struggles on the first drive scripted plays are the time you'll see the best from teams. Uh, you know, and, and we see that from, from Jimmy Garoppolo is the best you saw him in a scripted drive situation. Uh, um, you know, similarly, they then played a uh, pretty good defense in the first drive to allow a, a Sam Martin punt, uh, putting it back to them. And then that's where you saw uh, some good defense, a nice tip ball by Gregory Rousseau and a great play by Terrell Bernard. That is not a gimme interception the way that that thing was bobbling around. We've seen many linebackers drop that ball uh, and not, not receive a turnover. And that, and that was it. I mean, that essentially ended any momentum the Raiders had. Uh, and then they never really they mounted a fuel goal uh, at the end of the half from there, Mike. But if you kind of look at this whole defensive picture and the emergence of Christian Benford, what we've seen from the defensive line for the most part, how good Greg Rousseau has been. We've seen AJ Epinesa in there um, and he he wrecks havoc when necessary. You've seen like we talked about Ed Oliver. It's a great play by Daquan Jones. And then, you know, sooner than later, the Von Miller is going to return. You know, Brandon Bean alluded right after the, the roster show that, you know, he was thinking week five still uh, for Von Miller. So this defense is going to have an influx of talent. Uh, they've avoided big injury for the most part, knock on wood. Um, but, I mean, all you can do is, is and you will see about Leonard Floyd. I mean, Micah Hyde's going to be fine. I mean, I think the John McDermott only called them both day to day, which was uh, which is a good uh, good thing to say early on, Mike. But what are what are you thinking about the, what this defense can be? Because really where it struggles is against premier quarterbacks, duh. Uh, but when you see a situation where Sean McDermott can scheme up things against Mike White, uh, the Trevor Simeons, these these situations to where you've seen young court and Sam Howell 3-0 off of his uh, first three games, this isn't going to be a, a situation to where he's going to be comfortable. Sean McDermott's going to confuse him all day. Yeah, Sean McDermott has been masterful against young quarterbacks throughout his career as head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we always used to hear the stat about Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. Well, you can use that for Sean McDermott against inexperienced quarterbacks uh, for the most part. So going back to how this defense is looking so far, there are some questions. How are they going to respond to Sean McDermott calling plays? Well, the answer so far, pretty damn good. Uh, they're number three in DVOA overall defensively. So not much uh, of a drop from last year. If you look at it from a, from a pass and rush perspective, they're eighth DVOA in passing and I believe third against the run. Now, I was saying all offseason, I thought this could be a truly elite defensive line, top five in football, uh, if they reach their potential with a healthy Vaughn playing quality football. But Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau, they're already high-quality players. Ed Oliver is elevating his game. He had, I believe, six pressures week one. You saw him making plays in the backfield uh, this past game uh, against the Raiders. Daquan Jones is still the beast inside, being able to take double teams uh, and has uh, penetration uh, ability. If the D-line plays like this, it makes Terrell Bernard's job that much easier. Terrell Bernard has instincts. He has coverage ability but he needs to have clean lanes in order to make plays. If blockers are getting to the second level, it can be a, a little bit difficult for him. But through two games, Stroll Bernard has showed why the Bills have given faith in him to being their middle linebacker to start the year. Uh, it was nice to see him make the interception. Uh, PFF, for whatever reason, is very low on Bernard at the moment. They have him as a 47. I don't get that. 
I, I think he's looked solid. His average depth of, of tackle on run plays has been near the line of scrimmage, not dramatically different from what uh, Tremaine Edmonds was through two games last year. And there's a lot of things to be encouraged about his coverage ability. Overall, I, I, I think the defense looks really solid right now. Uh, there are a few question marks. Uh, Trey White uh, has not looked at the same level that we expect from him pre-injury, but it's only two games. Um, I'm still going to be patient before I overreact to to the, the start of the season. There are some people that are concerned about Jordan Poyer. Um, some people have said he looks slow. He's never been the fastest guy, so don't, like I said, don't want to overreact to two games, but those are two guys that I'd be a little bit concerned with uh, early on. But Christian Benford has taken that job of cornerback, too, and just run with it. We've been saying the last like three, four years, Levi Wallace is good for a UDFA. Uh, Dane Jackson is good for being a six-round pick. I don't want to hear any uh, Christian Benford is good for being a six-round pick. The guy is good for regardless of where he was drafted. And if he continues to play this way, this Bills defense will be very good. The The only thing that's really confusing to me, and it's we use PFF. We know it's not perfect. We know there's imperfections with it. We love DVOA as well. DVOA has been super high in this Bills defense. But then you go to PFF and you look at the Bills defense and they have them as an average unit right now. Some of the grades on the Bills defense, like I said, defenders-wise, um, Poyer's a 46.5. They have Trey uh, at a 49.9. Uh, I already mentioned uh, Bernard, but Benford is a 61. So – I really do wonder sometimes where uh, PFF gets these grades. Uh, they have the Bills as the 19th graded defense overall, despite them having one of the best starts of the season. So it's always, you know, it's football season when we start talking about PFF grades and what the hell they mean and how to take them seriously or not. Uh, I know they have useful data that teams use and it's helpful, but uh, annual reminder, take PFF grades with a grain of salt. But overall, excited about this defense, and I think there's uh, a lot to be encouraged about going forward. Can we also talk a second about some of these metrics that have come out uh, the first two uh, the first two weeks? I think it's uh, there's some high end stats about how effective that um, that how effective Josh Allen is in a checkdown role. He's doing it at an elite level, including week one. Like this isn't just a week two stat. He's an elite checkdown artist. And if you want him to check it down and you're going to play these two shells, his EPA has been off the charts, guys. This is something that, uh, you know, everybody wanted to see and he's been doing it. And that's even factoring in the interceptions uh, that he's already um, been successful enough at, 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 at his checking at checking down um, in this season. He's number one in the league. Uh, so you want to take away his deep pass. He's showing that he's been an assassin uh, throughout the first two weeks of the season. And that's exactly what he needs to show because teams are going to have to drop off of it if he's going to be able to continue to play at this type of a clip because teams cannot expect to get four turnovers, one of them being a missed motion snap uh, down in their goal line, a punt return touchdown to win a, and five sacks to win a football game. It won't, won't happen again this season. So uh, you can't bank on those things happening because if they don't, you know, the Bills, by all accounts and by all metrics, probably beat the Jets somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 23-10, 23-13. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, those plays did happen, and we've seen the results. 
but there's a ton of stuff to to go over in this. You know, we were talking about Ed Oliver earlier. He had five tackles, six, six stops against the run, a 17.9% stop percentage. Uh, that's top five in the NFL. His average depth of tackle is negative yardage. He is his average. He is making stops in the bat, negative 0.3. He all of the, like think about that. You know, everyone talks about like Paul Puz Lesney and tackling people 12 yards down the field. Ed Oliver is a negative yardage situation. He's not running and chasing and getting someone for eight yards. He's he is creating havoc. This is what he got paid to do. Uh, we would love to see the sack numbers go up, but that is straight up dominance. And another factor of this run defense I wanted to bring up, the difference between Tremaine Edmonds and Terrell Bernard. Uh, through two games, Edmonds had three solo tackles. Bernard has four. Um, Bernard has six assisted tackles. Edmonds had zero. Uh, the, the run stops, Edmonds had three. Bernard has four. Run stop percentage, 10.8% for Bernard and 8.8% from uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Average depth of tackle, 0.8. And for, uh, for Edmonds, 0.7. So you can see that, that there has not been a drop-off uh, yet in this position. There's certainly not been a drop-off in the run game at all. Uh, so some of the dominance, and then you see a, a final stat come out of Christian Benford uh, right now is the sixth-ranked corner in passer rating at 55.2. He's only allowed one yak yard. Uh, so even after the catch, uh, their teams, teams are two for six against him right now. And he's been downright dominant. Um, so – those are some of the run stop and defensive stats coming out, Kevin. Does any of that shock you or like what what are you thinking after the first two weeks of and the Bills obviously Mike said third DVOA? There's nothing there. I mean, that's 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 as good as they've been. Yeah, and I want to continue to talk about Christian Benford because I saw a stat today where his passer rating allowed is, I believe, a 51.5, which right. is one of the tops in the league. And if you remember his senior year at Villanova, his passer rating allowed was just a 25.4. So we're thinking, okay, this is an FCS school. I don't know if this is going to translate to the NFL six-round pick, but Christian Benford has been a dog, and he's been so good that Kyer Elam has been a healthy scratch. And I don't know if you guys want to get into that rabbit hole, but nope. I don't. The one thing that I'll say about that is, it's not that Kyer Elam is that bad. It's because Christian Benford is that good. And I got another stat for you guys too. I, I don't think you got to this one, Kevin. Havoc rate. Now we talked about this a little bit last year, um, and I'm just going to read this off um, so I get it correct on air. It's basically tackles for loss, no gain, forced fumbles, interceptions, pass deflections, plus pressures divided by total plays. So basically, this determines how often are you creating an impact play as a defense. The Bills were one of the best in the league last year. I think they either finished first or second uh, right around Philadelphia, which we know they got to the backfield quite a bit. Right now, the Bills defense is third in the league at havoc rate, um, right behind the Saints uh, by 0.4% behind. The Cowboys are far and away number one, as to be expected. They dominated the, the Giants and the Jets. But the Bills are number three. So we're still seeing this team <laughs> play quality defense um, with a few changes uh, around the lineup, but there's no reason to believe this defense is going to drop off uh, this year uh, based on who's playing there. I know there was concern. How are they going to get it done without Tremaine Edmonds at middle linebacker? Well, they have the guys still to get it done. And once Vaughn comes back, it's only going to be scarier uh, for opposing uh, offenses especially from the, the speed element, the quickness. If Vaughn still has that twitch and that bend that we're used to, which not a guarantee coming off an ACL injury, 
But if he still has it, look out opposing offenses. It's it's going to be a situation to where this Bills defense is been dominant, Mike. Um, I think that we'll see we'll see what it looks like after Washington. I really, I mean, they have a big offensive test against against the Dolphins week four. No way are they looking past the uh, the Commanders. I mean, I think that the line has created tens. I mean, they've been in, in one of the, the biggest pressure rates in the league right now with their front four. We'll see if their back seven is able to do what they're able to do. I think what's also interesting coming out of this game is the amount Sam Howell's been sacked uh, 10 times as well for 79 yards. So that's that's a lot of lost yardage right there. Uh, so if he's not going to get the ball out of his hands uh, like Jimmy Garoppolo was able to do, Aaron Rodgers was, was, was supposed to be able to do, and even Zach Wilson. Um, so you're going to get a situation to where he's going to hold the ball. He's been held known to hold the ball. So some of those sack totals uh, might go up for the Bills uh, this uh, this this game here. And it is something to where you need to rally. Eric Bieniemy loves his his screen plays. Um, you know, if you can get out and get in front of that, that is going to be a situation that's pro Bills. So we're going to have to watch the screen game, and we'll ask our commanders guest uh, about the screen game uh, shortly here. Uh, but you know, it's we've kind of kind of talked a lot about the defensive side of the ball. It's time to bring up what they were able to do offensively this season, as well as against the Raiders, and then going forward against the Commanders. And uh, we wanted to highlight some very specific stats. Kevin, what are some of the things you wanted to talk about with the Bills offense? When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together. And Skyline's always been part of our family time. Buckeye Health Plan Medicaid is built around you, offering medical, dental, and vision benefits with no copay. Members get free rides to healthcare visits, pharmacies, and social services. Buckeye rewards you for making healthy choices. You can earn $75 in rewards for well checks. Pregnant moms can earn up to $350 in rewards for taking steps to have a healthy baby. Visit ChooseBuckeye.com for Medicaid built around you. Well, when I was going through, I was looking at the box score, and I tweeted these out if you want to check them out on my Twitter here at Kevin underscore Syracuse. But the biggest stat that I love here, and this is probably my biggest takeaway from the game is that three of Buffalo's five touchdowns on Sunday came on drives that lasted over six minutes. So on the Knox touchdown, that was an 11 play 84 yard drive that took six minutes and six seconds on the Gabe Davis touchdown, 15 plays, 75 yards, nine minutes and one second. And then on the Harris touchdown, 11 plays, 95 yards, seven minutes and 32 seconds. So those three drives alone took over a quarter and a half a play. And that is just the complete opposite of what we saw this team do on Monday night against the Jets, where it looked like Josh wanted to score so badly, so quickly, just go for the deep shot, go for the kill. And we talked about this on the show last week that you have to take what the defense is giving you. And that comes back to Ken Dorsey and Josh, but more so Josh based on his performance on Monday. And I remember saying, it's okay. You're allowed to get on base by hitting a single or a double. You don't have to hit a home run every single time. And that's what the Bills did on Sunday. And it was just so nice to see. Yeah, I I agree with you, Kevin. Uh, I'm not one that is really high on time of possession. I don't think it's critical to winning. But in a game like this where you have the lead, that's when time of possession really comes into play. When, when the Bills double dip, 
where they score right be, right before halftime and then go on a nine-minute drive where they finish with a touchdown again on fourth and goal. That is just that is just deflating for any opponent, uh, especially next time you get the ball back. You, you're down uh, you're down 18 points. It, it just changes the entire complex uh, of a game. And the Bills have always kind of had that ability. They just got it done more in the passing game. And because of their explosiveness, they really didn't need to have a, a lot of long, sustained drives. But the way defenses are playing right now, this is how it's going to be. It, it's it's not just Buffalo. It's a lot of these offenses that we're used to seeing explosive uh, plays across the NFL. Things are not coming easy uh, to Kansas City and Mahomes right now. Things are not coming easy to Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. So while a lot of the talk and the narratives across the nation have been, oh, is Josh Allen going to hold the Bills back? What are they this year? The, the Bills are not alone in having to adjust to the way uh, the league is playing. And I will say this. I was harsh on Josh after last week. I had questioned, does he have the patience to uh, to dink and dunk uh, an entire game? He showed he can. And like you said, Kevin, right now his efficiency numbers are through the are through the roof. His completion percentage is great. And I don't even think this is really something that comes supernaturally for him. So if they keep doing this week by week by week, it's eventually going to get ingrained in him. And it's going to be second nature by the end of the year. And I think, like I said earlier, this is what Ken Dorsey is trying to bring to the Bills offense. It's not something that's easy. And when when fans see some of these plays that that do mess up occasionally, they're going to freak out. I know the fourth and goal where um, he forced it into uh, – Dawson Knox, and it was incomplete. A lot of people in the stadium were were upset. They were like, what are we doing? It's fourth and goal. You're around the one-yard line and two-yard line. Run it in. Uh, but then you see the play again on replay, and you see Hardy might have had a chance if he didn't stumble. And then you, you see Josh, if he holds on the ball for a half a second longer, he has Stephon Diggs wide open in the back of the end zone. So right now they're still feeling through the kinks, but they're eventually going to get a lot smoother with this, and that's when it's going to be very dangerous for – for opposing defenses once they do get everything going, because right now they, they're basically focused on just Stefan, Gabe, uh, the running backs and the tight ends. There still are other guys they can get involved in and make this even more uh, difficult to, to defend overall. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much, Whittle. Appreciate you coming on uh, and, and joining with us. Whittle says, I'm happy about the draft picks for the last two years. We could have had Brees and Woolen instead of Elam and Cook. Uh, no crying because the milk is spilled. Absolutely. I think as I've highlighted lately, how well that the Bills have drafted more, most notably over the last two seasons. Um, I was a big woolen guy. I would have loved to see him uh, be selected. There was something there in the draft process that teams didn't want to take a shot on him, which is weird. I'm not exactly sure if he didn't interview well or what, what the problem was. I thought that for sure he would translate uh, and is very much looking like he, he is, uh, is, is the guy. And, you, you know, even, the story's as old as time. Like even Seattle themselves took him in the fifth. They pass on him four times uh, prior to selecting him. Gets uh, the stings a little bit better when you when you hit on a guy like Christian Benford, who's been uh, all accounts looked really good early last year. Kind of had the injury, and then I really thought the defensive game plan and the defensive uh, performance fell off without Christian. I really did without Christian Benford in the game. I mean, he was uh, he's a willing tackler. He plays sticky in coverage. He knows his zones, um, and it's it's just he knows he does not he's not grabby to the point where they picked up a flag on him after you saw that play on on review uh just on the replay and it, he did not really touch him um so that was the right call picking that up so 
Uh, you would like to see, you know, you would have liked to see Brees and Woolen. I thought, you know, Brees could be the way to go. The pressing need at corner. That's what happens when you draft for, for, for need. The corner situation was so dire without Trey. And really all you had was Dane Jackson. Really? I mean, that was basically the Bills outside corner roster that they needed to make a play and they couldn't sit back and, um, and they thought Elam would be their, be their selection. He's still very much in the plans. He's still corner four. You never know when you might need him this season. If something does happen to Benford uh, or Trey. Uh, so I do, I don't think his story has been written yet guys, but I, I, I do agree. We have to then, you know, see about how well that they've drafted beyond that. I mean, uh, you're getting Terrell Bernard production now. I mean, you're getting, you know, who knows what they'll get from Khalil Shakir. You're getting Christian Benford production. Um, obviously the Elam stings and James cook by all accounts. I mean, you know, you pull his metrics from last year specifically, and, uh, they're just as good as Brees Hall's and Brees, Brees got hurt, but yards per carry, uh, explosive runs, uh, missed tackles. They are all very similar. Uh, so we'll see the, how that, that, that story plays out. And then you cut, you fast forward to this year and you got some hits guys. You had obviously the, the development of Osiris Torrance at right guard. People have been clamoring to draft a right guard or guard specifically, uh, and they hit it out of the park. How that guy was available that late, I'll never know. Sometimes teams overthink it, as we see on the screen from Whittle. Uh, but his biggest knock was he's a dominant right guard. I don't know how that's a knock, um, but apparently in, in the days where you want to play right tackle, center, left tackle, you know, you do take a little bit of a ding. Um, and the Bills will gladly scoop that up. Uh, and how other offensive linemen went before him, we'll never know. Uh, but that was good. That was good. The Bills were able to. And Don Kincaid looks every bit the part. He's just getting stronger um in in these games and uh it's been it's been wonderful to see him develop and he's only going to get better like he's only he is the bills third receiver we said it all off season mike dalton kincaid is the bills third receiver but he's blocking better than anybody would have ever imagined how how unexpected is that i mean obviously he's had receiving production these first two weeks but you and i probably underhyped his ability as a blocker. Now that, that wasn't something that was talked up a lot coming out of Utah, but he has been involved in the blocking game. And you look at the Latavius Murray touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he was three yards uh, past the line of scrimmage, making a play, helping Murray get uh, into the end zone. So got to give Kincaid credit for that. Uh, I think the early production has been encouraging. Uh, he's had nice awareness. He's been getting off guys um, and, and getting some nice receptions. I'm just overly excited right now about the the offense overall. Um, I, I think the the run blocking has been solid. The running backs too, Kevin. Like, like we got to give credit to James Cook. That was a solid game uh, on Sunday, surpassing 100 yards. Uh, Latavius Murray, when he signed, a lot of people thought it was just going to be a practice squad addition, um, maybe a backup behind Damian Harris. They have a three running back system going on right now, where uh, both Murray and Harris are going to be dangerous in the red zone. Uh, Murray a little bit uh, better in the passing game than what Harris is. But both of them have made impact plays, both by, both found the red zone. Harris had the nice kick return. Uh, so I'm encouraged by uh, the running game overall. And Spencer Brown, I, I, I know we talked about him a little bit early on. I think he had a great game, circumstances taken into account going up against Max Crosby. I understand PFF was hard on him after that game. He did allow a few pressures, but that PFF grade doesn't line up with the performance that he put out on Sunday. Uh, I know he gets some help uh, in pass protection with chips and different things like that, but Spencer Brown did his part, and through two games, he's starting to grade out closer to what he did as a rookie 
than what he did last year. He's been good in run blocking. His pass blocking is always going to be a little bit of a liability, but we are seeing an improved Spencer Brown through two games this season. And the last thing I want to say about the offense, if Ken Dorsey continues calling plays and continues scheming things up like he has through two games, the narrative that Ken Dorsey is awful or that he is not good enough for Josh Allen or that he can't uh, get him to calm down is going to go away pretty quick. Because what we're seeing from two games, at least at this point in the season, is I don't want to say master class, but we're seeing an offensive coordinator that is very advanced and very knowledgeable with what he's doing. And I think it points out that we overreact as a fan base a lot of times when the offense doesn't click, but it's not always the offensive coordinator's fault. He knows what he's doing. Josh had his faith in him with bringing him on board. And I think we're seeing improvement from year one to year two. Can we talk about Dalton Kincaid blocking against, um, against Max Crosby at one point? He, 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 Pumped, he bumped in, blocked him, went out for a pass in the flat, and, and went for 12 yards. I mean, it was just stuff that we weren't expecting to see out of, of Dalton Kincaid this early on in his career. I definitely thought he was just going to be a slot receiver like Mike Gusecki, uh, and uh, he's already shown to be more than that. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, I think to the detriment of Hardy and Sherfield, I mean, it's essentially been uh, – Fully Knox, he's gotten majority of the snaps. Fully Kincaid, fully Gibb, and fully Stephon Diggs. I mean, that and then whatever running back's been rotating through, depending on the time of the game. So, I mean, that's been, you know, running back plus those four weapons with a little bit of sprinkling of those two receivers and Shakir when they have a package or whatnot, at like literally at like a 10 to 20% rate. So you're not really even seeing too much of all four of those guys um, are kind of cycling through the three receivers. Like they're kind of cycling through uh, one spot uh, of the five active eligible receivers. So you don't really see uh, a lot from those positions, but it's mainly because the Bills' main four weapons, Kincaid, Knox, uh, Stiggs, and Davis. Um, so let's see what we have more stats from Kevin. Kevin, why don't you bring us over uh, what some of the stats you have for us? Yeah, so piggybacking off of my previous stat about the three drives that took almost a quarter or over a quarter and a half of play. The bills had the ball for 40 minutes and four seconds compared to the Raiders 19 minutes and 56 seconds. So going off of what you guys were saying about Ken Dorsey, that was just a masterful game right there. And the bills outgained the Raiders 450 to 240. And they ran 74 plays compared to the Raiders 39 plays. And the biggest stat is that, the Raiders turned the ball over three times. The Bills had zero. So just all around a great game. And then one other stat that I have that I found really interesting is that Josh Allen is now 6-0 with 11, with 11 passing touchdowns in games following a three-plus turnover effort. So we talked about that throughout the week. You know, he turned the ball over four times. Well, he usually responds pretty well, and once again he did. And now the Bills are 6-0 in those games, and their average margin of victory is 17 points. It's very eye-opening, as well as Josh Allen's record coming off of a loss against that team. So he's 6-0, and his, uh, his, his numbers are fireworks. So we'll see what that means for the Jets uh, here in November. So that's uh, something to keep in, keep, keep in mind, as he is statistically great the second time he plays a team off of a, especially off of a loss. Uh, so we're going to see what Josh Allen's able to do later on in November. 
but we got a commander's game coming up everyone. And we're going to have our commander's guest on here shortly. Uh, so, you know, we'll bring him up as soon as we have some commanders talk, everybody, you know, this is a big game to get to the two and one mark for the bills. And it's a big game to get to the three and O mark for the commanders. I mean, that, that would be a quite a start for them. Uh, everyone's been yelling at them for having uh, two, um, for having two easy victories. And that's the thing they've been hearing over there. And Sam Howell's done it in, you know, in a, in a week 18 game last year, and then two bad opponents, this, uh, he needs to show what he can do against a Sean McDermott led defense and in a situation to where he's going up against one of the league's best. So we have to, we have, we have a lot to talk about there shortly. Uh, but, you know, kind of wrapping up the Raiders game, Mike, what was your biggest takeaway from the game? Uh, they won, you know, we know the score, but what was the takeaway for you that Josh Allen looked good? Was it that the offense is going to be better than people think? I mean, tell us what you took away um, as you were uh, thinking about the game 24 hours later. Yeah, b- biggest takeaway is that Josh Allen can play this style of football if if needed, uh, and that the Bills are going to be uh, stubborn with this balance going forward this year. This was not – uh, a one-off with 12 personnel where they're just doing it for teams against the Jets. We're going to see this 12 personnel. And we're going to see a ton of it this year. The Bills were even running 13 personnel, uh, 5.5% of the time uh, so far this year, which is, I think, in the top 12 in the NFL. That's three tight ends uh, on the field. So that could be either Gilliam or Quinton Morris. So the Bills uh, are definitely prioritizing tight ends in this offense. Get used to the run game. Uh, the fact that we saw... Cook, I don't have the Bill stats in front of me, but I believe he had 17 carries in this game. Uh, Harris and Latavius Murray were both around six, seven carries. Uh, that is basically sticking with the run game, having faith in the run game. And that that's something that we really haven't seen much in previous seasons. And, and maybe we've gotten so used to this 11 personnel, three wide uh, to where when we see a run we're almost like, Oh God, why are they running it? They got to stop sticking with the run. I believe this is going to be the case the entire year. And while there's going to be times when it's frustrating, when it's second and nine and they're handing it off for two yards, it's going to eventually pay off. And it's a, it builds a mentality. Uh, I, I remember players one time uh, telling me why are certain teams good at running and other teams bad at running? Well, it's because those teams focus on running all the time, and then that's why they struggle in the pass game. I think the Bills focusing on being more balanced is going to make them more balanced uh, overall. So you might not see Josh throwing for 370-yard games like uh, we've gotten used to, or some of those crazy high performances where he might throw a bomb or two. But in the end, if it helps the Bills salt away games, running for 125 yards on the ground, or being able to kill clock late when they're up two scores, I think it could be a positive thing for uh, for this franchise. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to get into Commanders talk. The Bills do not play the Commanders very often, every four years, unless they match up with uh, now with the new schedule with uh, where they finish in the rankings. I don't know if we're going to have a matchup uh, where the Bills and the Commanders are going to finish in the same place here. So, I mean, it's really a every four-year type of thing, every eight years. Uh, in it's the third time in four years. Yeah, that's because crazy. Of craziness. And third different name that they've had in those games. Washington yep. football team, they were the Redskins for one game, and now the Commanders. Yep. That, that's one of the craziest uh, stats I've ever heard in my life. Playing a team three times in four years with three different names while it's an NFC opponent. I, I bet you that's never happened in the history of football. And a different yep. quarterback every time, too. It's, it's kind of crazy. 
there you go. There you have it. Yeah, because they did match up with the placement game the last time um, uh, these two teams played. So that was uh, that was very interesting that they did do that. I don't anticipate it going forward, but they did uh, match up with the same first place ranking. Uh, the, the the commanders were able weren't they able to win the division a few years ago right if I'm not that mistaken. was the really poor uh, division winner when the NFC East was awful that year and, and then they actually hosted Tampa Bay uh, in the in the wild card round the year that Tom Brady led yeah. the Bucks in 2019 right yeah Taylor Heineke yep yep so that would have been 2019 in that game then the Bills match up in 2020 against them so that was actually the 2020 game 20 so they okay. played in 2020. Uh, and then, uh, 2021 and then now this now year, 2023. So. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. So that's, that is, that is, that actually is a lot of times, but like, uh, Kevin said, completely different quarterbacks, completely different coaching staffs. Eric B there now, Eric B chose to go there to show what he could do in this offensive situation, other than sitting with Mahomes and, uh, Andy Reed, who in, who were perceived to bring him down and his chances to be a, a head coach down. Uh, obviously when you have two of the best ever do it at each of their respective positions, uh, you know, he wanted a chance to go out there and show what he could do in Washington. And so far off to a great start. Uh, in Washington and Mike, well, they maybe even have a fourth name. Uh, it's possible talks of that happening the next time the Bills play them. So if they do happen to line up in the placement game again, uh, if for some reason that happens, uh, we're going to definitely see um, uh, the fourth name uh, definitely potentially in the fold. Kevin, uh, bring us home on your final takeaways from the uh, from the Raiders game. Well, I want to give more of a general perspective here, and obviously. We know, or at least I did. I knew Josh Allen was him. So I wasn't worried about Josh. I was a little bit concerned with some things here and there, but I knew he was going to get back on track. But my big takeaway is going off of what you guys were saying before. I love that the Bills got the run game going and they're handling their running backs properly on the field and off the field. And what I mean by that is on the field, talked about how James Cook had 17 carries. Damian Harris had seven. Latavius Murray had six. Josh had a few runs himself. So I like that they are actually making it a point to run the ball. And like people were saying in the comments, it's the three-headed monster. And then by off the field, I like that they haven't drafted one in the first round and they haven't spent a lot of money because unfortunately we saw what happened last night to Nick Chubb. I'm praying that he will be able to fully recover. That was terrible. That was nasty. But look at all these running backs who are getting hurt. Now you have Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor. So a lot of star running backs who are getting dinged, nicked up, or maybe severely hurt for the whole year. And I really love how the Bills have done this, where, yeah, they spent a second-round pick on James Cook, but it was a late second-round pick, almost a third-round pick. They signed two cheap veterans, two big bruisers who can complement James Cook very well. And I think that this is going to be a huge focal point of their offense. As much as Josh Allen is still a top three quarterback in this league, it is very important to be able to run the ball when needed, especially down the stretch as the weather gets worse. And that's been something that's been holding the Bills back, especially during their playoff runs here. So I'm just really happy with this running attack. And Kevin, thanks for coming up. We appreciate having you up here today. We'll call you back for next week. Uh, but that those are stats brought to you by Kevin. Uh, and it's 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 going to be a, a, a really great time to get into some commanders talk. As Mike said, we have played them three times in the last four years. So uh, it isn't like they're foreign, but I would like to see and, and interact with what 
coming right straight out of Washington and what they think of their their hot start. Uh, so we're going to bring up George now uh, to talk Washington Commanders football. George, we really appreciate you have uh, coming on the show today. Uh, we have a lot of guests eager to uh, to talk Commanders for a little bit here. Sure. As, you know, starting off two and zero is 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 a hot start for you, man. Um, and you know, we appreciate you coming on. You can be seen from uh, FPC Commanders as and command the mic. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going on and um, welcome to the show. No, of course, man. Thank you for having me. I really am happy to be here as well. I definitely want to learn about the bills as well. I think if you're, you know, want to talk about that for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm George Carmi at gcarmi21 on Twitter or X as people call it. Um, I uh, have a YouTube account, Command the Mic. We have a weekly show about the commanders that I talk about on YouTube. Um, I do live streaming during the games. I also am the writing editor, managing editor of Full Press Commanders, um, you know, the, the podcast and the, the publication. So happy to be here, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks, happy thanks. to have you join the, the show today. And uh, before Kevin gets you started with all these uh, difficult questions about your team, just want to get your mindset. How are you feeling right now at 2-0? Uh, it has to be uh, feeling pretty good start to the season. Obviously, a new ownership group. Uh, it, it has to feel like a, a fresh uh, a fresh start for, for Commanders fans down in Washington. And uh, while the opponents weren't the, the most difficult, it, it appears on the outside that you guys are playing some solid football uh, to open the season. Cool. Absolutely. First of all, I want to give a shout out to the commander fans in the group, man. It's awesome. There's the people in the chat. I appreciate that for sure. And um, Mike, yeah, definitely. It's a breath of fresh air. I'm a season ticket holder. I've been a fan for many, many years now. I'm doing content since 2016. And um, it just feels good. It feels good to write positive articles. It feels good to have positive podcasts. It feels good to have winning in D.C. And I just even when we had winning in Washington with you know, Robert Griffin III or you know Alex Smith for that short period of time or any kind of short stint of success, there was always a glass ceiling with Dan Snyder as our owner. So just getting rid of him uh, removed that stink and removed that glass ceiling for us and gave us the opportunity to have a higher end, higher ceiling as well. And um, it just feels good. We have Magic Johnson as part of our ownership group. Like, it is cool. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy from the 90s. I grew up in the 90s, 90s baby. And like, it's like, you know, Magic Johnson, man, he owns my team. And he's like tweeting out and he's running commanders. Gear. Like, what the hell is going on right now? This is coming from, this is coming from Dan Snyder. You know, it's a complete um, turnaround. And um, yeah, we've been playing some pretty good ball. It's been fun. Um, you know, having Eric Benemy as our offensive coordinator from the Chiefs is also exciting. Um, I think um, with Washington, it's kind of the sky's the limit. Like, um, for years and years, Ron Rivera has been putting together our um, roster and we've had some like, you know, remedial results. We've been getting around 500 football, eight, eight and one. It's ridiculous. We had 17 games last year, eight, eight and one. Who thought we'd go to 500 at that point? But um, you know, it just feels good. I feel like with Sam Howell, there's a vet. There's finally hope in DC. Uh, we don't have any veteran retreads. We have our homegrown quarterback that we selected late, and it kind of feels good that there is a higher upside than we usually have. So it feels good. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S. 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. It's the Smuckers Uncrustables podcast with your host, Uncrustables. Okay, today's guest is rough around the edges. Please welcome Crust. Thanks for having me. Today's topic, he's round with soft pillowy bread. Hey. Filled with delicious PB&J. Are you talking about yourself? And you can take him anywhere. Why'd you invite And we are out of time. 
Are you really cutting me off? Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, crust. Wanted, you know, you, you kind of got into it a little bit there, but let's go a little bit more granular. Like recap, sure. and this is an easier question for, you know, if it's week 15. Um, but you know, recap so far, just briefly, you know, your two weeks, what we saw in depth from your team, the, the big comeback, the 18-point comeback uh, there in that game. I watched a lot of that that game, and, and um, you know, so I was able to take away some notes from that. But in your eyes, recap of that game. Uh, for us, as well as the the, the margin of victory against uh, Arizona, too. Yeah, definitely. So um, going into the offseason, the big conversation that was going on in D.C. is our offensive line has some deficits and our linebacking core has some deficits as well. So I think what happened very early on with the Cardinals, to start off with there, was that Sam Howell has propensity to hold on the ball. And that goes back to North Carolina. He was sacked at a ridiculous, I think, a 10% rate in college. Um, he gave up six sacks in his first game, had a couple of turnovers, a very ghastly turnover. I don't know if you guys caught the game, but it was like a, a sack fumble where the ball bounced into the end zone. They scored a touchdown, got up, I think, 14 yeah. nothing at one point. And it seemed like um, hard to overcome at that point. Um, I think what happens is I think we're very high on Sam Howell in D.C. right now because we feel like he has some upside. Um, he is a coach's son. For those of you who don't follow it, he was like he was developed. He was a he started 37 games at UNC. Um, we find that he has a lot of poise. And I find that you guys will see that, too, on Sunday. Like he might make a mistake, but he, he won't get rattled. And he'll come back and bounce back again. So what happened was um, our first game. We got down big. We were getting sacks. We were getting, you know, giving up some pretty costly sacks and some bad turnovers. But then we rectified it. And I think the better team won in week one. I think we're overall more talented than Arizona, truly. Um, week two, Denver's basically just got out ahead. Because, you know, like Sean Payton, man, we, you know, for all the flack that we get and for all the, you know, the bravado that he has, he actually is a pretty talented offensive coordinator. And, he, you know, he took advantage of Jack Del Rio in the first half. We're down 21-3, and, like, you know, in Washington land, we're like, man, this is like the same old commander, same old Redskins, same old Washington football team. It's not looking good. But then what happened was, um, and we've seen this for two games now, and it's going to be interesting to see for week three, um, there has been halftime adjustments. Like Washington's done a good job of basically kind of adjusting and kind of um, – recalibrating and what happened was the second half our defense just basically shut down the Broncos and basically kind of like stopped that stop them cold and then Eric Benny started dialing things up in the second half and um you know Sam Hell had 39 pass attempts last game he had 30 in the first half and I think what happened was um you know they started to pound the ball in the second half they started running with Brian Robinson he ended up with 137 yards and two touchdowns so I think they started to control the game and um you know they started to rectify that offensive line issue so you know, we look pretty good. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty confident. It's going to be a pretty tough battle on week three, but um, we're looking pretty good. I'm happy with our, our growth so far. <clears throat> so, so how is Sam Howell getting it done so far? So for, for fans that aren't familiar with him, because he is newer to, uh, to most fan bases across the NFL. Sure. Uh, he's thrown for around 500 yards, three touchdowns, <laughs> one interception so far, but from, from a box score purist, just, just looking at the box score, not having seen him much in the past, it seems like he's spreading the ball out a lot. That yeah. there really hasn't been uh, a, a primary target. It, it looks like it's been evenly distributed uh, throughout your weapons. And then when he's not passing it, it's just been Brian Robinson just pounding the rock. You're not seeing much Antonio Gibson uh, early on this year. Um, is is that something that you expected to continue? Um, basically passing it around and and relying on Robinson to to get the yards on the ground. Yeah, definitely. So um, let's start off with the passing and Sam Howell, right? So 
we transitioned from Scott Turner to um, Eric Bannemi. Scott Turner had an Eric Coriel offense. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that by any chance, but it's more like vertical shots and basically seven-step drops, five-step drops. Um, just kind of, you know, we thought that it was a perfect match with Carson Wentz to basically launch the ball downfield. But um, Carson Wentz is a statue, and, you know, our offense line wasn't great. It was a really bad formula last year. So this year, Eric Bannemi is having more of a um, – more of like a short, quick passing game and kind of utilizing the yards after catch. And I think it's actually working because I think we do, if you actually look at the Washington's receiving core, like that's what they're built for, right? Terry McLaurin's more of a yard after catch kind of wide receiver. Jahan Dotson's more of like a scatty kind of slot kind of guy. And we have Curtis Samuel as well. So we have guys that are kind of built for yard after catch. And I think um, Eric Benemy is kind of, utilizing more of a quick passing game just to get the ball out of um, Sam Howell's hand, just kind of like a one read, get rid of it because he is holding the ball too long. Um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'd have a fit, full press fantasy podcast. Um, it, uh, it It is kind of frustrating because I thought Jahan Dotson was going to have a breakout year. I thought Terry McLaurin was going to have a breakout year. But, you know, f- for two games, I think just winning is all that really matters right now. I don't think they're looking for stats. I think the ball is going to be distributed across all the receivers. And then, um, to be honest with you, the run. This is how I expected the run game. Like I know in the fantasy world, Antonio Gibson was supposed to have that breakout year, be more of like a receiving running back, more of a screen running back, and he has that ability. But like, to be honest with you guys, I'll always be honest, is that like he doesn't have great vision. Like he's a fast guy, and he's he's a he's a four three guy, but he's not really a shifty four three guy. It's kind of like long speed kind of guy. So like. Um, Antonio Gibson, people want him to be dynamic and explosive, but I don't see it in him. I, I can see him doing a couple of plays here or there, but I think I think what they want to do is pound the rock with Brian Robinson. And like what you guys will see is that Brian Robinson will catch the ball more than you think. Like he's like he's more of a bulkier, big running back, but he'll still catch the ball. Like I wouldn't be surprised four or five catches a game, and you know, this game, and then he's gonna you know get like 20 carries. He, he is our workhorse, and Antonio Gibson is more of kind of like a change of pace kind of back. <clears throat> I think what's interesting in this game, uh, as you kind of you know fast forward to this matchup, is mm-hmm. you have a situation to where a lot of talks about around the Bills around their Week One performance. It was a strange game, uh, Monday Night Football. The quarterback, uh, you know, tore his Achilles on the fourth play of the game. Yep. Uh, Zach Wilson comes in cold. The Bills did not have a game plan set for him. Uh, they actually were more of a cover two shell. They were planning to play quarters coverage um, in, in a situation cover three uh, to where they were going to make Aaron Rodgers earn it. Uh, Zach Wilson came in and it completely changed and they switched to it. They were running 13 personnel at times. Yeah. Uh, so just, just advantage jets in the situation of, they had a game plan set the only team this year that will have a game plan for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, so they, they took a definite knock and, 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 and if there's a time to get the bills for in the jets case, it was then because the bills had a defensive game plan that was not, uh, not run heavy. So then fast forward to this week, uh, the, the most past week against the Raiders, the bills sold out against the run to the point where they didn't trust Garoppolo to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they held Josh Jacobs to negative two rushing yards, the, the, the least amount from a rushing champion in NFL history, uh, and their DBOA boosts all the way up to the third best run defense. Mm. So in your opinion, how do you see them attacking the Bills? So the Bills have put out there that like, okay, fine. Like if you want to run on us uh, like the Jets did, uh, we're going to stop that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you, do you, do you want to go with that approach like you kind of saw in the second half uh, against the Broncos, or are you thinking that Sam Howell is going to have to do – uh, a little bit more in order to beat uh, the Bills defense. So um, with that question being, Sean McDermott's historically good against younger and, uh, you know, quarterbacks with under 10 starts. So yeah. what are, where, where do you where do you think Washington would have uh, their their offense? If you're Eric Bieniemy, what's your offensive game plan look like? As he knows the Bills, he's played the Bills many, many, many times, multiple times per year even uh, in mm-hmm. his history. 
Yeah. So let's answer it in two different ways, right? So if it was me, I know that the Buffalo Bills have an explosive offense. I want to keep Josh Allen on the field, on the bench. I want to keep him off the field. I want to keep Stephon Diggs on the bench as well. And I would want to pound the rock. I want to basically run the ball down your guys' throats, have time for possession, and keep you guys, keep your offense on the bench, right? So what I want to do. Um, I think that we'll try to do that. I think we'll attempt to do that, and we'll see if it actually is um, effective. If anything, like our offense, if we – are pigeonholed into dropping back and having to like have like a pass protection. That's not going to be a good formula for us. That's going to be a disadvantage for us. I think you guys, you guys have a pretty good pass rush. Our offensive line does have deficits, especially at the tackle positions. Our guards. So we had Sam Cosby. I don't know if you guys are big draft guys, but Sam Cosby was a second round pick. He was a right tackler, Texas. They bumped him into right guard. And he actually is, he's a pretty athletic, like he, just like we had Brendan Sheriff a couple of years ago, we had a right tackle that was, you know, De- you know, he was decent in college, but then he became elite as a right guard. I think Sam Cosby's kind of come into that aspect right there. Sadiq Charles is our left guard. He's from LSU, was a tackle bumped into guard as well. If So I think, like, the run game would actually be pretty effective. And then what I think truly is going to happen, like, so let me take a step back. Ideally, I'd want to run the game. But what, the way I think Eric Benemy is going to attack you guys is a short passive game and the screen game. All, all summer long, we talked about how the different, like there's like various ways to incorporate the screen game. And that could be like Curtis Samuel, it could be Brian Robinson, it could be Antonio Gibson, it could be a tight end screen. It, you know, there's still some like that, like um, Travis Kelsey kind of elements where the tight end kind of like steps up a little bit, throw them a little screen, kind of run up the field that way. I think they're going to try to slow down your pass rush because I don't think we, Washington is built to sit back and receive it. So I think that's we have that there. And then another kind of sneaky component for people that don't follow Sam Howell. Is he is he's functionally mobile. Like he is not like a burner like Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields, but he can scramble. Like you guys, I don't know if you guys watched the game film from last week. He can like dodge one person and run for 10 or 12 yards. Like he can do that. And he ran a lot in UNC. I think his junior year had a couple like 500 yards rushing um at UNC when he was a quarterback there. So like I don't want to say this. Like I don't want to like I would imagine like a, imagine like a rookie Russell Wilson, like not that that elite level, but that's the kind of skill set that um Sam Howell has more of an intermediate passing game, kind of throwing it over the middle, can kind of do some rollouts, kind of run a little bit. That's kind of what you're going to get. He's like, and he also has a similar body frame. He's not going to burn you, but like he, he could take a hit. So he might actually will run here or there. So if I was Eric Benemy, I'd definitely attack with a short passing game and then try to utilize a run in the second half, try to pound the ball. So when, when you look at your offense, last year DVOA did not like things Awful. in Washington. <laughs> yeah. I believe overall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bottom five pass and rush. New new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Uh, this is going to be a two-part question. Sure. First, who do you give more credit for the hot start to this year? Do you give it to Biennemi or do you give it to Howell? Uh, because right now at DVOA, I believe Washington is 11th. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, they're 17th in the past DVOA and I think 10th in the running DVOA. So you're showing some balance on, on that. And then the second part of my question is, with Sam Howell, he was obviously good at North Carolina. I remember watching him thinking, like, this guy is going to be in the NFL. He's going to get an opportunity. But then he goes in the fifth round. What did fans see? What did the team see in him in the limited amount of time during practice and in the one start that he made last year that really gave Ron Rivera the the thought process that, like, this guy is actually good enough to be our starter and maybe take us to that next step? So let's start off with the first question, right? So in regard to who gets credit, if I had to pick, I mean, they're complimentary, obviously, right? But if I had to kind of peg one, it would be Eric Bieniemy. 
Um, one thing that we heard, I don't know if it got up to Buffalo, if it got to your market, but basically Eric Benry was kind of like kind of slap on the wrist for being like too tough and having too high standards, kind of like being like abrasive during training camp. I don't know if you guys heard that from your end, but basically he just is known for having exceptional standards. And um, throughout training camp, like he basically just hammered it home with the players. He basically was like, you know, if you make a play, like, there, there's like one famous part during training camp, like Sam Howell had, had a bad snap. He was a first team offense. He's like, Get off the field, he yelled at Sam Howell and basically got him off the field. And basically, like he put he put Jacoby Brissett and kind of got him on that side. And kind of like you made one mistake, you're done for a ten, like a ten minute break. Kind of go that route. <laughs> he also um, really instilled with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. I was at training camp a couple of times. Um, basically, every single time they ran the ball, they had to basically run it all the way to the end zone, no matter what. To so be like on a twenty yard, like an eighty yard run all the way down the field to kind of get their conditioning up. So like. I think like his no nonsense approach has really improved um, like the standards because um, Scott Turner, if you, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's more of a laid back kind of a cool kind of mm-hmm. play, like cool offensive coordinator. And Eric Benny was the exact opposite, kind of like a fiery, hothead, kind of in your face kind of coach. And I think we needed that on offense. I think we needed that dog in him. Um, so I think he definitely improved us. I think just the efficiency and the high standards that he has has definitely built it up. Um, going back to Sam Howell, Washington likes him how so like you know following the draft they wanted to see how like maybe in the second or third round they had their eye on him but what ended up happening was Dan Snyder as we like as more news are coming out um he basically wanted to resolve the quarterback issue and basically forced the deal to basically get Carson Wentz to come over to Washington and he's like I want you to do it do whatever it takes go for it and basically I'll pay the the 29 million dollars to give up the two third round picks so basically, they got Carson Wentz. They basically passed on Sam Howell the first couple of rounds. But then once he started kind of floating around in the fifth round, like, dude, the value is too good to pass up. We got to take him at this point. Um, further context, Sam Howell did, didn't even play for like most of this year, like during the training camp. Like it was like, you know, it was um, Carson Wentz starting, Taylor Heineke was the backup. But then once Carson Wentz broke his finger, Sam Howell started to get more reps in basically, um, you know, during practices because he was a second team quarterback as opposed to a third team quarterback. And he started to see more. And um, after looking at it and after reading about it, Sam Howell's biggest flaw in college was basically his footwork. Like in UNC, it actually was mirrored, right? It was backwards from what it was supposed to be. Like I'm not super technical, but like I think you're supposed to drop back with your right foot and kind of like take three-step drops. But he was taught with his left foot at UNC. And people were like, wow, is it like, is it like unfixable? Is there any way we can kind of go through that and push through that? And I think Washington was like, you know what, for a fifth-round pick, he has the arm talent, he's mobile, let's go for it. So I think they picked him up and just they gave it a shot. So – I think um, with Washington this year, they were like, you know what? We have a rookie quarterback. You know, we have a new owner. We're going to basically just kind of throw fire to win and see what happens. If somehow it works, that's cool. If not, blow everything up and get a new coach next year, get a new offensive coordinator, kind of switch it all up next year. So I think that's where we're at right there. So more trial by error. Uh, Exactly right. If it works, maybe we found a guy. If not, we we have plenty of other options. Exactly right. Mm Mm-hmm. But that makes a, a lot of sense, and I'll, I'll have Kevin uh, take us to the defensive side of things. Yeah, and I think as we look kind of at the Washington pass rush, the four, I mean, pressure rates through the roof right now uh, in the first two weeks at least, uh, and we see, you know, Chase Young back. How does it feel to have Chase Young back? I'm sure Amazing. that's, uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a good place. We're yeah. going to be there soon with Von Miller in the next couple of games, so mm-hmm. uh, we, we will know how that feels shortly, uh, adding to the, the, the strong Bills defensive line as well. But um, speaking from a Washington perspective, what have you seen from that D-line so far? I've seen the amazing stats on Sweat. Um, I've seen some really good numbers so far on Chase Young's first game. 
uh, Deron Payne. Uh, so for Bills fans out there that I think the I, I would say majority of Bills fans are aware of the Washington defensive line um, and how strong that ha- it has been, uh, especially lately. I guess talk to us about it. And is there a player on that D line we don't know about uh, coming as a John Ridgeway? Is it Casey Tuhill? Like t- tell us, you know, every I think everyone is familiar with the starters. Is there someone that comes in then as a guy, or are you are you top four heavy? So we actually are pretty deep in that regard. So um, I think Washington fans are happy, as you kind of alluded to, Kevin. Like we are finally getting Chase Young. We waited a long time. Like he basically tore his ACL, what, in the, you know, game nine of 2020. And now he's just finally getting back to his wow. normal self. And, yeah, you know, a couple of years later, we're getting there. Um, so 2021, sorry, he got injured in 2021. But still two years pretty much since he's been out. Um, they have, like, and they're starting to gel. I think the best player right now that's performing the best is Deron Payne. Like, Deron Payne had 11 sacks last year. Um, he was supposed to be, like, John Allen's a kind of, like, Batman and Robin. He's supposed to be the Robin of the pair. But I think he has a higher upside. He's actually doing very well. He had 11 sacks last year. He's exploding. There was one series. If you guys watched the film, coming out of the second half, he stopped. Like, he had three straight plays. Like, he had, like, a bat down, a sack, a tackle for loss. He basically just ended the drive. And all of us were like, there's the Deron Payne that we're looking for. Um, Montez Sweat is fantastic, not only as a pass rusher, but also in run support. Um, he basically, he's a four, three guy. He's a fast, fast, um, defensive end. And like his criticism in DC was he couldn't finish the play. He couldn't get the sacks, but he's always been ex- exceptional. If you look at like at all the metrics, he's fantastic in run support, but now he's finally getting his sacks. Um, in terms of like depth, like they do have some depth there. Um, you, you mentioned John Ridgeway. He's more of like a nose tackle, like a one to three technique kind of guy. He's more of like a run stopper. He's a solid player. Casey Tua is a pretty solid player as well. But um, James Smith Williams as well. I believe he had a sack last week. Like, there's some depth. Like, what happened is over the past like, year and a half when Chase Young has been gone, a lot of these backup players have been like playing in their absences and they're basically like they've been solid because the rest of the, the other three are good enough. These other guys are being isolated on their own and creating pressure on their own. So I think it's kind of really happening there. But um, you know, I think it's top heavy, but I do, you know, I think the, t- the top four are legit. And then basically the bottom of the, s- the second line is not that bad either. I and think the top four, those names are just yeah, insane. Like when you're talking about Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Chase Young, like that, that's as sick of a, a D line uh, as you'll see across the league as far as uh, top heavy talent. The, the one thing that a lot of people outside Washington will say is that the back end might be more vulnerable um, for teams to attack. How do you, how do you feel about uh, the commander's secondary? Is there, is there any holes? Is there weaknesses that uh, teams can exploit? How have they done so far to open the season? Because like you said, uh, it, it's almost expected that Washington will get pressure. They, I believe they have 10 sacks already this season. But yeah. it, are they vulnerable in other spots? So the funny part is, like, out of our defensive line, I'll get to the secondary in a second, Chase Young is the worst person out of our defensive line, which is ridiculous. The number two overall pick, defensive player of the year. So it's really I'm really happy with that. Um, in regard to our secondary, it's, we are great on the back end. We're great in the front end, but we're very weak in the middle. Like, we had um, Cody Barton, who was a free agent acquisition from Seattle. He's a solid, heavy player. He wears the green dots. He's played 100% of the snaps of the past two games. He's more of a run stopper, but he could easily be exploded over the middle of the field. Like, well, that's, a, that's a hot topic in commander circles. You could definitely get behind him and throw over him. Uh, Jamin Davis was the first-round pick, another linebacker that we had as well. He's more of a heightweight speed guy. He only had 14 games at Kentucky as a starter. He has he has flashes, but he's also a liability in coverage. Um, in regard to our safeties, so our safeties are actually pretty strong. Like 
I hope they start getting more national recognition, but Cam Curl is actually a pretty solid, um, strong safety. I don't know if you guys have heard of him yet, but yeah, I think he leads the team in tackles right now. Um, he basically is up for a new contract, so he's playing really strong. And Derek Forrest is a pretty strong safety as well. Um, so I, honestly, our safeties are strong. Our defensive lines are strong. In regard to cornerback, you might be able to get us there because what happens is we have Emmanuel Forbes. He's our first-round pick. He's a ball hawk. He might get his hand on the ball and kind of get an interception, but at the same time, Stephon Diggs is one of the most refined route runners in the league. You know, he might be able to burn him like a couple. Like, you know, I think uh, Forbes got burned a couple guy times last week. So it's kind of like he's something to kind of work on. And then Kendall Fuller is our other corner, and Kendall Fuller is a kind of a heady player, more of like a zone corner. He's like a B. You know, he's a solid. He's a solid player. He'll, he'll perform well, but you know. He could be exploited as well. So our cornerbacks are solid. I'd say our defensive line's elite. And I think our safeties are actually pretty damn strong too. Like I think, you know, back end very good, front end very good. The middle of the field is kind of where we're worried about, especially linebackers below average. So you guys can get us there. <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely a place to attack. I mean, look, the, I mean, Washington sank first round picks, you know, for five straight seasons into the front seven, you know, four straight seasons into the defensive line. It's what they mm -hmm. built and it, and it worked. A mm -hmm. lot of times it doesn't work. Yeah. A lot of time, two or three of those guys aren't good. Mm -hmm. um, but to see that that play out for Washington were, were some big some big wins there, at least defensively. Um, so, you know, you got a situation to where you're going to have Cody Barton. I mean, he's going to have a situation to where he's going to have to 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 address real quickly if the Bills are in 12 personnel. Um, yeah. You know, they're in 11 and a half. What are they going to be doing? Who's going to match up with Kincaid and Knox? Um, that's going to be the situation that I believe the Bills have already exploited on other teams. Yeah. Um, and, and made it really hard to rear your situation to where maybe you are leaving a, um, you know, in your case, a Forbes on Stefan Diggs uh, situation or sneakily Gabe Davis. Um, you know, teams, uh, defense, defenses, I like to forget Gabe Davis. I don't know that, you know, if you have Eric Bianami in the offensive side, he'll probably remind your defensive coordinator about <laughs> Gabe Davis. Um, he goes off against Kansas City, uh, mm -hmm. just absolute elite games against Kansas City. Uh, every single time he plays him. So I'm I'm, I'm assuming Eric Bianami saying like, hey, let's, you know, when we're putting up a game plan, let's, you know, we got digged, but let's not forget about Gabe Davis as he had a coming out party last week uh, against yeah. the Raiders, you know, 98 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and it's just always solid. Um, and just yes. what you're looking for in a receiver too. In Bill's land, everybody wants him to be the best receiver too, like T Higgins. Um, but they're forgetting that he's like a really good receiver too. Very solid. So the situation. Yes, the situation is, and Kincaid has been a difference maker for this offense. Hasn't had to put up the gaudy uh, offensive stats yet, although he's been good. Uh, we we referenced before you came on, his blocking has been way above where anybody thought it would be. Fantastic. Okay. So it's going to be a situation to where he's on the field all, every almost every snap, him and Knox. So they want okay. a true, regardless of who's lining up where, um, you could consider them in 12 personnel over 60 to 70 percent of the time right now, which is okay. uh, a ton different than the five percent they were in it last year. <laughs> Definitely. And Josh Allen has been minus the turnovers against the Jets. He's been elite at his checkdowns so far this season. Is it a situation to where where would your help come from? So where do you see like in a situation where you're getting those matchup problems with Kincaid and Knox against a bar in or even a Jamin Davis? Where, where, where do you think the help would come? Would you start, you know, kind of kind of shading them with one of your safeties? Would you kind of pull them off the box, you know, bring them back there? Teams obviously historically play cover two shell. They play some version to make sure Josh has to hit these throws. Yeah. Um, but he has shown the propensity to hit them. Yeah. So I think Washington, um, we all like, we typically just run one, one, sorry, one linebackers what we typically do. So basically okay. we're going to have, we're going to have three safeties on the field. So what I'd imagine in order to counteract Kincaid or Knox would be Cam Curl covering him as a strong safety, but that what ends up happening is that basically takes him away from the back end. Right. We had Percy Butler who 
I like Bryce Butler coming out of Ohio, sorry, Iowa State. He's a pretty quick um, safety, but what you know, he doesn't have a lot of game experience. Like last week, um, if you guys watched the film, he basically they had a cover two coverage. He was basically playing, um, you know, covering a halfway of the field. Marvin Mims runs a post yeah, right halfway, up the middle yeah, and had, had a huge like, 70 yard catch because it was yeah. a communication error because of Percy Butler. So I can see. I think that's where, if there was going to be an advantage where you guys could get us, is the fact that you guys have chemistry and there might be communication errors on our end on the back end. So I think Washington, they have some talent, but I think that we're still trying to get used to the back end over so there. So you want like a big dime almost. So you'll oh, take yeah, off Jamie Davis. We call, so you'll we call take it Jamie Buffalo. We, exactly. We call it Buffalo Nichols, what we call it in D.C. So basically we have um, we have three safeties. It's typically, so Cam Crow number 31, he'll probably play more towards the line. And they'll basically, like he either does, and helps out and run support. He helps out covers the slot. Um, you know, Percy Butler would drop in the back. Derek Forrest is our true free safety. Um, sometimes we run Benjamin St. Juice, who was another nickel um, cornerback that we have as well. But, yeah, so we either do um, Buffalo Nickel, as we mentioned before, which we take Jamin Davis. We will take Jamin Davis off the field and have Cody Barton on the field. Or we run a Cinco package where we basically add another defensive lineman and basically have five defensive linemen and put maybe Ridgeway at the nose tackle and then have Deron Payne and uh, John Allen coming in as the um, defensive tackles. Then Monta Sweat, Chase Young on the far edge, which is – has been pretty productive, you know. That that, that forces a five on five, which is a one on one matchups, which is advantageous to Washington. So, like, that's something we will do there. But, um, yeah, that's I think that I think they're going to try the Buffalo nickel and kind of see how that goes. Is it too you don't like Jamie Davis in coverage, or what's what's the what's the philosophy there, especially as you start now to face, um, you know, as you see some of these elite quarterbacks, even in your own division, and you know, as you start with Josh Allen in, in, in our division. Where do you where do you see that that helps? So when you see Josh Allen, you know, coming, he's gonna he's gonna be in shotgun. He's yeah. probably gonna check out at something, and he's gonna probably check to something to Dalton Kincaid or Dawson Knox. Yeah. Do you do you see a situation to where like the five off uh, the five defensive linemen will be tough because he'll check out of stuff and he'll he'll exploit that. So I don't I don't know how much he'll run that. You could. Yeah. Um, especially if you're worried about him running, I guess. Yeah. Um, he hasn't. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details ran an extraordinarily amount so far mm-hmm. this season. Is it that the idea there is that you think that your third safety is going to create a different matchup than Jamin Davis or what, what's the philosophy there? I think Jamin Davis and our linebackers in general for the past couple of years has been a deficit and has been a liability. So they kind of work around it. Like I think they're, they're, they're literally putting their best players on the field and there really isn't a big like weight difference between Cam Curl and Jamin Davis. It's going to be 20, 30 pounds. Cam Curl can actually cover a tight end very effectively. He can provide run support. He has been the best player. So I think they've been just kind of taking them off the field there in, in regard to that. I think that's kind of the method there. So, I mean, I, really, I don't really can't really get much deeper than that, but I think it's kind of the way it's <laughs> no, going. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, that 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 makes perfect sense. I wanted to make sure we talked about um, 
you know, real quickly about the, the Washington offensive line. Yeah. Um, mixed reviews. I've seen some stuff either way, analytically, you know, some yeah. good, some good play. I've seen some poor play uh, mm-hmm. from the film. Um, you know, a guy I liked actually real quickly was Ricky Stromberg. I'm going to see if he'll, uh, or we'll see like snaps for you guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, this season, but you know, we've seen some up and down play historically, just in general from Austin Wiley. Um, where, where's your opinion of this O line? And if you were to point to it, where's your strength? Where's the weakness? So I think the strength is the interior of our offensive line. I think we have, um, we have Nick Gates. He was a free agent acquisition from um, the New York giants. Um, he kind of was injured off and on in New York. He came over to um, DC as a free agent. Um, he's kind of providing that nastiness that we haven't had DC for a while. Like you guys might get upset watching him this week. He's the kind of guy that will like do kind of a late shot like, after a play or kind of like bury the offense line, defensive lineman there. Um, he has provided some sort of like, you know, that, that nastiness that we're talking about there. Um, we have Sam Cosby. We have Sadiq Charles. Um, I kind of alluded to it before. They're both athletic. They're both pretty solid athletic um, guards. Like Sam Cosby, his RAS score, his relative athletic score is in the upper nines, like nine, five, nine, six, something pretty high in regard to that. And he's great in run support. So I think like Washington will want to throw screen passes and get them out in the open field, go block and kind of get downfield in regard to that. That's a strength. Um uh, what's his name? Uh, Charles Leno, our left tackle. He is a solid left tackle, but he can get beat by speed rushers. Like he will be, he will be, he'll be a solid tackle throughout most of the game. Then like one or two, like grab your head, like what the hell just happened type of blocks where someone will kind of zip right by him. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if you guys have an elite pass rusher. I guess you do have a couple more, more defensive tackles, I suppose, right on your, on your team or Rizzo, what does he play? Russo's uh, been uh, historically uh, one of the best pass rushers we have. Yeah, but he's defensive tackle rates. He's at the end. The um, end. Okay. Well, so then yeah, he'll line yeah. he'll line up right defensive end. He'll probably attack your left. And then Leonard Floyd is day to day. We don't know if he's going to be playing okay. this week or out. But Leonard Floyd was obviously a, a huge fill in for the Bills until Vaughn comes back. Yeah. Um, he had a sack his first game against the Jets. That was the Rogers injury uh, oh. that that resulted from that. But. The the feeling in Buffalo is there. A lot of people like this defensive line. That yeah, I, I know. I, I know it's pretty strong. I said I, I knew Rizzo was elite. I didn't know if he actually was more of like an interior or outside. I guess he's more of an end. So if, Rousseau, if, yeah, Rousseau's on the outside. He's an end, very lengthy. Uh, okay. like he's not someone that's really uh, going to get to the backfield based on speed or moves a lot of times. Okay. He, he's more of a cleaner upper where okay. he, he he's good uh, in the run game because of his length. He uh, sets the edge all right, pretty pretty well. And then if quarterback steps up in the pocket, if he tries to get to the side, he, he always seems to be in the right spot. He had a, he around, nine sacks, around nine sacks last year. And if he didn't miss time or uh, with injury, he probably would have been a double-digit sack guy in his second year in the league. Yeah, and to be honest with you guys, you know, like I think you guys are going to get several sacks. I think probably four sacks against us. Because I, I do think our offensive line is below average. And I think Sam Howell basically will hold on to the ball a little bit. Um, I think – Charles Leno would do solid. Our weakest link is Andrew Wiley, and essentially uh, he was brought over um, from Kansas City with um, Eric Bieniemy. And his biggest thing is, is basically he's allowing inside penetration. And for those of you that study the offensive line, you're supposed to block from the inside out. Like let's say there's like the interior pressure, they're kind of showing a blitz on the inside. You're supposed to block from the you know make sure the guard and the interior basically is protected, then block on the outside because the most direct path is on the interior going right at the quarterback. 
what ends up happening is he hasn't been communicating that well. And he'll be like, he'll try to punch out at the like at the end and then try to slide into the guard. And the guard will come in, you know, the blitzer will come in clean and basically rock the quarterback. We've had some pretty bad sacks from him, one during our first um week one, then one during um the preseason game as well. So um, I think our interior is pretty solid. Our tackles are kind of a, a liability. So that's just something to keep an eye on. And like I said, you guys will see Sam Howell has been holding on to the ball for the pretty, you know, I think like um, there's some great data. I think it was next gen stats. It might've been um, pro football focus, but it basically showed like sack ratio to um, time with the ball in the hand between sack rates. Right. And, you know, a typical quarterback should hold the ball like no more than 2.5 seconds. And Sam Howell had like 2.8, 2.9 seconds on average for his dropbacks, but he still gave up like six sacks in the, you know, he just was holding on to the ball too long. So I think you guys will be pretty active. Yeah, George, and it looks like Mike took some slander in the chat room for uh, shortchanging Groove, uh, you know, Greg Rousseau's nickname. You know, um, <laughs> well, no matter what I say, I get the heat. Uh, sometimes I say some things that aren't super positive, and I get killed for it. It's the nature of the beast, man. You got to be, Whittle, you be Whittle, objective. You know, I, Whittle knows I love Greg Rousseau, and his play, he is a fantastic defensive end, and honestly, one of our hits, our big hits in recent drafts, um, there's some fans that think he's going to be just absolutely phenomenal. And he and he well is on his way to being very good, but um, yeah. still has to take to that next step before I get to that point. Gotcha. I mean, just- yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's always a PFF darling. Like he's always top 10 in defensive ends. Yeah, uh, yeah, to, to, Mike's point, to, Mike point, to Mike's point, he's a lead against the run. Yeah. Um, so PFF has a, an 86.7 defense grade, a 90.4 uh, in run defense. And, the only thing that they kill him on is tackling, which is okay, whatever. Uh, no, but if, if you got an 86 grade on PFF through two weeks, they're liking what you're doing. So in DC, just to give you some context, they crush Chase Young. They basically like, dude, like, is he potential? Is he Jadavian Clowney? Is he basically, you know, 2.0, like going to be a boss? They're worried about him. And then Montez Sweat, he would always kind of float around like seven and nine sacks per year. Um, he is, you know, and I don't have the stats in front of you. PFF, he's kind of a PFF darling as well, like pressure rates and kind of run support. He's always up there, but not necessarily getting the sacks. So that's why another, I can see where you're coming from, dude. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. And I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting matchups. And, you know, we were talking about one earlier real quickly was Christian Benford has been a darling from a six round pick. Uh, there's much talk about who would win the Bills corner two job. And he's been every bit the part. Um, and your receiving core real quickly, um, you know, Mike said you like to spread the ball around. Tell us a little bit briefly about, I mean, I'm a big Terry McLaurin fan. I'm, I'm a big Gibson fan. Uh, personally, I, I know, I guess. People love he, Gibson. People love yeah, Gibson. He hasn't yeah. scored particularly well with his advanced analytics and, and some sites that I look at, but uh, there's still plenty of time. There's still plenty of season. And you, you know, you brought back your old Wiley friend in, in, uh, in Jamison Crowder. Uh, he had a stint in Buffalo as well. You know, obviously Curtis Samuel, Dodson, yeah. McLaurin. Is there one of those, you know, Diami Brown, is there one of those, they've all been muddling around. Is there someone you think that will take that next step and tell us, tell our, tell our listeners who that might be. So I, I saw in the chat, I think someone mentioned Jamison Crowder. I love Jamison Crowder. He started off, started off his career in DC. He's our punt returner. And he's actually, you know, he still has that, has that wiggle and he's going to provide some spark there, but he's not going to provide any, many really impact in the passing game. If I was going to highlight somebody, it'd be Jahan Dotson. Um, he was aided up during training camp. He was a PPR, you know, fiend. He basically was getting like 
all the checkdowns, all the quick passes, all the yards after catch were Jahan Dotson all training camp. And um, it was kind of funny. He was kind of bubbling up as like the dark horse, like the sleeper fantasy draft pick in our you know community circles around here. But all of a sudden, people were drafting him in the three, fourth. <laughs> people got so yeah, high on the kind of went a little bit too high. Um, I think he's a great player. He hasn't really produced yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has a pretty solid game. Like I want you guys to kind of keep an eye on him because I do think he's going to um, blow up a little bit there. Uh, Terry McLaurin's going to get you a thousand yards every single year. He's our captain. He's our solid, you know, our elite, you know, elite wide receiver there. And then it's funny, like, um, Diami Brown has kind of been like, he, it was Sam Howell's wide receiver at UNC. So there is a dynamic there. He was kind of like teetering on a bus because he's our third round wide receiver a couple of years ago. And he didn't have any chemistry with Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke, but he is receiving the ball there. If I was going to break down hierarchy, I would say that, um, Terry McLaurin will probably get the touchdowns. Jahan Dotson will probably get the catches. Mm-hmm. And then Curtis Samuel is the Curtis Samuel that you think of. He's he's not going to have a blowout game, but he's going to be like, he's going to have three or four rushes. He's going to have three or four screens and three or four catches. They, they use him all over the place, what they do with Curtis Samuel. So keep an eye out for that. That's but, good um, to know, man. Yeah. We appreciate you spending you know over 30 minutes with us. It's time to give score predictions. We do it to all of our guests. We really appreciate <laughs> it. And I guess if they happen to play again in the coming years, um, in the, if they match up in the same placement, um, in the AFC NFC, we'll bring you on again. But tell us about what you think about this game. It's in oh, it's in man. Washington. You're you're finally gonna get your chance to play a quote unquote good team or whatever yeah. people say uh, about these poor teams. Um, tell us what you think will happen. The score prediction and and uh, you know, interested to see where you take it. It's so hard, man, because I want to balance out my heart and my mind, but I'll always be an objective, just <laughs> <laughs> the content creator. I think you guys, you guys are a great team. You guys have won many games over the past, you know, what, I guess 13, 11, and 13 over the past three years. You guys have been doing really well. So, you know, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to tip the cap to you guys. You guys are the favorites. You guys um, should win the game. I would probably peg it probably like, I think, you know, if Eric Benemy is who we think he is, it's going to be a high scoring game, be a lot of fun. Um, maybe like a 28, 27 kind of game. Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be surprising like that. Like, it's just so funny. Last week, it was supposed to, like I predicted a low scoring like, 20 to 16 game with the Broncos, and all of a sudden it was 35 33, and we we're blowing up here or there. So I think Washington will create some create some magic with Amirik Benemy and kind of some short passing game. But I think what's going to happen is that the Bills, man, they're too explosive. Like I'm a Maryland guy, so Stephon Diggs is my guy, and basically I've been rooting for him for years, and I think it's going to be a pretty, I think it's going to be a good game. I hope, I hope we can hang around. Like I just, I would love it if we get the upset. It's going to be a game. How you, got some, you got some Cowboys fans in here. <laughs> Always. Um, you go everywhere, man. I see, I I see, the Cow- I see Cowboys friend Nate is in here. Uh, he had to get a shot in against the Commanders. <laughs> Um, but I think that that's, that's a good point. I'm glad you, I always like playing teams off wins. I think that's when you get best on best. I never yeah. want to see a team off a loss and I don't ever respect Hail Mary's the bills yeah, have lost dude. on them multiple Awful. times. Um, traditional and new school. We had, jo- we have, we have like three catches of the years against the bills, George. Uh, okay. we have Justin Jefferson's one hand, um, to, to save the game for them. Then we had DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. Oh, I remember um, that one. That was um, wild. So yeah. the bills have had back to back catches of the years, uh, against them. So I never want a team to win on a Hail Mary. It's not a real Thank you for that, man. Thank you. Um, so it's good that they uh, did not call that. What I saw as pass interference, they didn't call it. So that was, uh, uh, yeah. I'd rather, th- I'd rather them not, though. As long as yeah. it's pretty, pretty even, uh, I'd and rather it, them not. not call and it. to add a little bit to that, Washington got like last year. I don't think it was, it was a Sunday night football game. The Giants basically yeah. had a pass interference against us, and what it wasn't called. I do so, remember that. Yeah. Yep. So we don't have any regrets at all. We'll take this win. <laughs> and I said the same <laughs> thing. That was pass interference as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I said the same thing as well. Um, but they, it doesn't mean they're going to guarantee convert on the on the next play, anyways. That's true. Uh, so uh, I don't, I just don't like seeing refs uh, decide games. But George, what are you working on this week? Where can our Bills fans follow you? 
what do you got going content wise? Let us let us know so uh, people can chime in this week. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It's always fun talking to opponents and kind of in the previews going into the game. So I definitely appreciate that there. Um, basically, my name is George Carmi. You can find me at GCarmi21. I do I cover the commanders. I host Command the Mic podcast. I also do full press coverage um, writing articles as well. Um, I have a lot of content coming up. I have a Bills preview um, podcast coming out tomorrow. You guys should definitely check it out. I believe around 7 o'clock is when I'll be going on live on Twitter. Um, you know, I do every Monday I get on the Big Douglas show and I work with um, local, you know, I work with Al Gold. He was a local celebrity. He basically is a, has a radio show around here, too. So definitely check us out. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for popping in, George. I really appreciate you uh, seeing you. We'll uh, we'll have to see, you know, check out your content and review your uh, your work this week. As once again, I know there's been a little frequent games lately, but generally the Bills and the Commanders won't see too much of each other mm-hmm. uh, going going forward. Um, so thank you so much for so making some time for coming on, George. Welcome to season, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. Um, you know, great Washington information there, Mike from George. It was great to uh, great to have him on the show. Uh, it's time to bring in Kevin back for the Bills predictions and uh, you know what we think is going to happen as we get our weekly Bills graphic out. Mike, did we have our weekly Bills graphic out last week for the Raiders game? We didn't have it out, Mike. I was I was in Ohio to watch my Bobcats. We can take down the Big Twelve school, so we can. But tell. we were we were all correct. See, see. This is green and white for Ohio, not the Jets. I, I saw some slander in the comments. Want to bring that up. Not a Jets fan. Don't like those obnoxious fans in New Jersey. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have a graphic each week going forward with the score predictions. And just because we didn't have it out, we all had blowout Bills victories against the Raiders. Yeah, we, we, all, we, all, uh, we all got that correct. So no worries. Okay, so we're going to do the same order as we always do. Uh, guys, throw in your score predictions, too, in the comments. We always like to see them. We'll put them up live uh, here on the show. Uh, Mike, we're going to start with you. I think also you got Jet Slander because people perceived you as very positive to the Jets with Ty two weeks ago to where you weren't yeah, letting and, me and, ask and, the and, tough questions. And well, I, I, hey, I asked about the injury question, and you yelled at me. Um, this is I, I can't help the biases of our fans on this show. It was a but legitimate injury question. Look what happened Kevin, in New York. Kevin, you're the you're the good cop. I'm the bad cop. You're glass half full. I'm glass half empty. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, are we sure? I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wearing green and white because I secretly do like the Jets. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That ain't the case. But so um, that's what it's always going to come down to this year. I heard a little bit about the Patriots. They're 0-2. I don't see it out of them. I heard a little bit about the Jets. All A lot about the Jets. They faced a bad injury, but that was part of my prediction with the Jets was 
the fact of if someone goes down there, I don't know that I trust Aaron Rodgers any stretch for 17 games. So I think that that was part of why I thought it would always come down to the Bills and the Dolphins as the one and the two. Uh, one prediction that I did get right. So I don't far. factor in injuries on my my predictions, though, I mean, Kevin. I'm, I'm not that guy. I, I, I'm, I, I still think if Rodgers was healthy, they were the second best team uh, in the division. He, I, I predicted off of I, even if he's it doesn't. I don't need a long term injury. I just meant he's going to have nagging injuries. There's going to be issues. Like he was hurt all training camp. Like just things like that. That like just made it in my head that I just did not see him. I, I really always had in my head you would see Zach Wilson. I didn't see four snaps in. Um, but yeah, I always had. You know I, I will say the Dolphins look pretty scary right now. So it, it, it's possible that Miami might have been the the team to beat, uh, even yeah. if the Jets did have Rodgers. But yeah, uh, I still think kid- that anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All kidding aside, um, I feel very confident this week. I know the line okay. uh, as it stands right now is the Bills six and a half. I think the over under is forty four and a half. I don't know if. Uh, <laughs> Watch it a little. I, I'll go easy on Jersey tonight. I'll, I'll go easy on Jersey tonight. I almost took a job there back in the day. Um, but I feel confident about this. I, I saw a post on Twitter earlier that said uh, everybody uh, will normally say this is an easy game, but this is a tough game for the Bills. And I, I, you know what? I guess it's possible. Maybe it's a trap game. Maybe it's a, a tough matchup right before Miami. I just I don't see it. The, the The Bills have done a great job of locking down young, inexperienced quarterbacks. This is Sam Howell's, I believe, fourth start of his career. Uh, the Bills' defensive line has been stout so far early in the year. Uh, the secondary has been pretty solid, even with Trey struggling a little bit to start the season. Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano are playing quality football. If the Bills are able to get to Howell, I anticipate him making a mistake or two that could be uh, takeaways that could be difference makers in this game. Yeah, I respect Washington's offense right now with Eric Bieniemy running things. I respect their playmakers. We talked about the Raiders playmakers last week. Washington has a good group of guys with McLaurin, McLaurin, uh, Samuel, um, uh, Gibson, even though he's not doing much, and and Brian Robinson and and some of the other guys that they they have here. But ultimately, I think the Bills' offense. We'll be able to do enough. I think it's going to be a similar game plan to the last two weeks. Uh, they get it done 24-17. Kevin, it's on to you. We got the predictions roaring in. Throw your predictions in the uh, comment, comment box for everyone listening. Please smash the like button before Kevin gives us his prediction. Also, if you wouldn't mind uh, you know, reviewing us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to all of our on-demand listeners there as well, we really appreciate all of you for coming in um, as well. I do like the reference for um what is the crying i just picked us the win by seven <laughs> points 24 to 17 i'm sorry i picked the under i'm sorry i picked the under i'm team under when it comes to vegas so always pick the under smash that like button kevin what do you got for us uh live on air i think it's gonna be another big win for the bills and i think it's gonna set up a showdown with miami in week four so i'm taking buffalo 34 to 13 Um, when I was listening to George, I think the middle of the field is a place to attack. And I think that as tempting as it might be for Allen and Diggs to try to connect on these young DBs, I think they learned last week to live in the middle of the field and I see their offense clicking once again. I think they're going to bring Sam Howell back to life. I see him throwing a couple of picks. Milano's going to have a huge game again. Maybe someone will get Milano'd again this week. And I think they're going to score a touchdown early, a couple field goals, and that'll be it. So I'm, I'm taking the Bills 34 to 
13. I almost said 14. Okay. Well, Kevin, 30 Kevin's, ahead. 13. Kevin's ahead on the game right now, 2-0. and oh. Mike and myself are 1-1 one and one, uh, here in our predictions. Uh, so I'll follow suit. Um, I think the Bills, I like George, George, I, I like what he had to say a lot about the game. Uh, he's fairly positive about Washington as he should be, but did, did give us some deficiencies. Uh, what I like to see, uh, I have 28 to 17. It's a number that I've been thinking about uh, analytically. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense from what I've seen. I, the sack issue was not talked about enough necessarily on our show. He gets sacked at a lot. He gets sacked a lot. And even George said he expects four sacks. So that's how you know uh, there's going to be issues there. He does not get the ball out quick. That's been an issue since college and maybe why he fell to the fifth round. And when a team feasts on him and it's going to consistently put them in second and 15s, uh, you know, third and 12s plus, uh, it's going to be an issue for them. The Bills are going to sell out to stop the run and they're going to put pressure on Howell, maybe leaving some exposure coverage and you're going to see a touchdown or two from that. Uh, but it's all part of the game plan because, look, they want Howell to beat him. Same thing they did to Jimmy G. They're not going to let Brian Robinson get going. Um, so to me, that's how I see this game going. The O-line has played okay in stretches for for Washington, but those tackles, I, I just I think Floyd's supposed to be able to go. I do like the day-to-day diagnosis from McDermott uh, there in this game. So that's that's really where I have the, this specific game going. Uh, so we all have the same prediction so far. We'll see what Miami brings next week to see if uh, either of us can catch, uh, catch Kevin uh, currently leading either way uh, after this game. So – if I could have one last statement, I'm going to come back. All three of us are going to come back from the panel with our final thoughts. But shortly after we hear uh, from our founder, uh, Eric Turner, Greg Thompson, Aaron Quinn. Many people ask us the best way to support us here at Cover One, and that is to sign up to become a Cover One One Pass member. That contribution helps give us the access to all the data and information we use to create the content that you love. And I think most importantly, brings you into our community of insiders. It's a great community based on Slack. I know a lot of people don't want to be on social media anymore or be in on those conversations. We bring all of it to you right in our great community of educated fans. And most importantly, you get access to our content creators. Even better than that, everybody loves merch. You get awesome t-shirts, a cool decal, and a letter from the Cover One team signed directly to you. All for $60. That gets you the entire season, next year's free agency and draft. 60 bucks. Click the link in the description. Cover One Insider. Become one today. And the this final roundtable discussion that we have here brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Get out there and check out some of the best artwork around. One of my favorite pieces hanging right behind me. Had so many compliments from friends and family members. So www.sonsoferie.com. Mike, give us some final pointers. What you heard from 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 George? What you're thinking in general? Uh, we'll get and then we'll get Kevin's final thoughts as well. So my final thoughts. This is an improved Washington team. This is not a run over team that you can probably take for granted. Like we might have thought in the past. Uh, they're still getting better. They have a young quarterback. There's going to be ups and downs with that offense. They have playmakers. Their offensive line is so-so, but they do have some weapons in that offense. Defensively, that front four is as dangerous as anyone uh, in the NFL. But as we heard earlier on the show, they do have some liabilities in that linebacker and corner room. I think ultimately my my biggest takeaway, my biggest thing to watch in this contest is has Josh Allen learned from what he what took place week one against the Jets. This could be a very similar game as far as what he will see from a pass rush perspective against Washington. You look at their front four, you compare it to uh, the Jets front four. 
Washington is more talented with their 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 top heavy D line. Uh, there's no Quinn and Williams in my opinion on Washington, but Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, uh, Jonathan Allen, sorry, uh, Montez Sweat, and some of these other guys, they're gonna they're gonna get pressure at times. So my my biggest thing is, will Josh Allen be patient? Will he trust his eyes? Will he take the checkdowns? Uh, if he does so, I think the Bills will have an efficient get day. I think they will be successful, and I believe they will get the win. But my biggest thing is we need Josh to show that last week wasn't just a one-time um, case of being efficient against a lackluster defense. Continue to make progress, carry last week's performance over into this week. Kevin, what do you got for us? You know, What are your final thoughts of this game, and what do you, what do you think you have uh, to, to wrap us up? Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. We have to see it again from Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey this week. And going off of a point that I made on the last segment, I think the short to intermediate game is where the Bills want to live again. And I just want to make another point that if Spencer Brown can lock down Chase Young, that'll be two weeks in a row that he will shut down a premier pass rusher and Max Crosby and Chase Young. And I think a lot of his doubters will be silent. So this is another huge week for the Bills offensive line, specifically Spencer Brown. And you know, tying this into our running back conversation from earlier, I think if the Bills can also get that three-headed monster going again, I think that would also silence a lot of doubters, and that would set up a huge matchup back in Orchard Park on October 1st. Well, there you have it, live from the Cover One Going Deep studios. Uh, I, I agree. I think the Bills need to get after the pressure and get to Sam Howell, and will Josh Allen take his profits? He has shown to do it as good as anyone so far this season couple of bad throws against the Jets, but even for the majority, 90% of the season, you have seen Josh Allen take these profits, 90% plus, uh, and 100% last week as they've been that good. And they did have a successful offensive line game plan. I've seen some comments. The Bills will go as the offensive line goes. I completely agree. And if we see a performance like we did last week against a decent, not the best, but a decent defensive line, uh, the Bills are prepared as they have faced some defensive lines here to start the season. So, uh, with all that being said, we will be live back here Tuesdays at 7 to recap not only the Washington Commanders game, but to talk about the game that apparently is a early season great game against the Dolphins. Uh, so that should be a fun one to tune into. Will we bring a Dolphins guest? I don't know. We'll talk about it behind the scenes uh, if, if we're going to want to do that. So really appreciate everybody tuning in today. As always, the show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. And it's going to have three straight 1 o'clock games uh, before we reach a stretch of zero one o'clock games, really, for the rest of the season until the end. Uh, so that's going to be uh, enjoy your three straight one o'clock games, starting with uh, uh, last week and then week, you know, week three here will be the second one o'clock. And then next week as well will be uh, the final one o'clock game for a long time as we got London and we got, you know, tons of Sunday, Wednesday or Sunday night games, uh, Thursday night games, Monday night games. So from the Going Deep podcast, Kevin, Mike and Kevin. We'll be back at you Tuesdays, as always, Tuesdays at 7, right here on the Cover One Sports Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.